Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Hello again. Thanks for joining me here on The Burt Not Ernie Show, getting the promises of God into the people of God just stacking up those promises week after week and praying. You better believe I am praying that God's people would be so given to belief, like given over fully to believing his promises that our natural bent would be toward believing fully and completely with total trust every single promise from the word of God and that we would leave a mark, like a holy mark, on our generation. Would that not be a truly awesome legacy to be able to look back, say you're in your old age, your golden years, and you can look back during those, you know, those aged moments when people have, they just reflect, right? Like it or not, if you are blessed enough to live to a ripe old age, you will probably be pretty reflective at some point to be able to pause and reflect and know that you truly believed God's word and you prayed big, bold, daring, sometimes maybe even audacious prayers based on nothing in the visible realm, but based totally on what the Bible says. Yeah, wowza, what an impact, what an impact, what a legacy that would be. I want in on that. Give me some of that. More of that, please. More of that, please. That's why I do what I do week after week, so that you can have that kind of legacy, a legacy that is rooted in a kingdom impact, an impact. Like, think about when a meteor hits the earth. There are places like, I think of Arizona, where you can pay money to go see a point of impact. It was a massive impact. That's like a kingdom impact in my mind. That's what comes to mind. Let's like, let's make a crater that's permanent in the kingdom of darkness. Let's leave a holy mark on this world for the kingdom of God and impact. That's why I do what I do. And today, well, today is a big day on the show because today we are going to take a look at two verses that were written by the prophet Isaiah, and they are astoundingly, incredibly remarkable. If, this is a big if, if we would just choose to believe these words from the Bible. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show, part of this Park Network, now playing on the Edify app. This is episode number 118. Okay, alrighty. Well, here we are. We're in the heat of summer here in Wichita, Kansas, and probably where you are if you live in the U.S., it's it's the heat of summer for you too. August is just when it's hottest usually, right? So um, the Farmer's Almanac says that we're going to have an Arctic, Arctic kind of winter. Okay, so that's not a word that I love, that word Arctic, like snowfall above normal, and they're saying like hibernation temperatures. 
that's like quite a contrast from like if I open my front door, boom, blasting oven of heat. And it's just like right outside my front door. So right around the corner, you know, to think of cold that is described as hibernation zone, glacial, snow filled. Yeah, that's a contrast. That is the kind of contrast that we see between Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11 and the way we often pray and what we do or do not believe God for in our actual walking around lives. We're going to read some verses and we're going to we're going to see that what God has promised is so big and so vast that when we stand it up against the way that we pray, when we stand it up against the way that we believe or don't believe, oh, it's that kind of hot cold extreme contrast that that the, the weather is right now like hot and it's going to be awfully terribly cold like 40 degrees below and we get those kind of swings in Kansas we can go from um, 120 degrees to 40 below I've experienced both in my three decades of living here I don't think that God intends for us to have that kind of a vast difference vast contrast between the way we pray and what we believe and what his word says. Okay, so blasting heat, it's an oven versus Arctic hibernation winter temps. What it says in the Bible versus how I pray and what I believe is going to prove true as a result of how I pray. Often a super stark difference if we are totally, totally honest. But, but... Is that how the Lord wants it to be? Is that how the Lord wants it to be? Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11 are, their verses, they're ones you've probably heard many times before. And portions of these two verses are regularly mentioned when people pray. So, I mean, if it sounds familiar, that's good. It should be very familiar to us. I know for me personally, I want people who will pray these verses over my life. I want people praying this over my life, over my prayer requests, over my needs, my emergencies, my future, my children, the work of my hands, my marriage, and so on and so on, et cetera, et cetera. Like, pray this, please, please, and pray it as often as you want to. I am thankful for it, and I'll take those prayers. Let me read it to you now from the Amplified. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout, and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, useless, without result, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 from the Amplified. Anybody else get a little bit excited, like pumped up when you hear those words? This is God speaking, like in quotations here in Isaiah 55. God is making this promise about his word, and he has not stated this in secret, in some quiet corner, in obscurity. He has loudly and he has boldly. So what does it mean to take God at his word? I mean, really, it just means that we believe and accept that he meant what he said here and that he said exactly what he meant. We can know with absolute certainty the will of God when it comes to his word accomplishing what he what he desires. We can know with absolute certainty what his will is. He wants his word to do what he sends it forth to do, period. And when we know for certain God's will on a matter, 
We need to believe him and we should pray in accordance with what his will is. It is a dangerous, a very dangerous game, a total folly to do otherwise. We're not like a senseless animal being led around by a bit in our mouth, right? We are the ones who have this great opportunity to believe God's word. And it is a great opportunity. You have today, you have this day, this moment in time to choose to believe God's word. It is a huge, great opportunity right here and right now in the midst of this generation. And they're watching. They are watching. Uh, you know, it's like it's like uh, Monsters Incorporated. I'm watching Wazowski, always watching. They are watching. They're watching us. I promise you this. You are never going to regret believing God for what he has said in the Bible. Now, conversely, what you doubt him for, where you don't believe, where you sometimes outright refuse to believe, that may well become a regret that weighs on you for a very long time, a very long time. Because what we believe God for, especially when it comes to what we ask God for in prayer, it has an eternal impact one way or another for good or for not good. Your prayers matter. I don't know if anybody's told you that before, but your prayers, they matter. They may very well matter eternally in some cases, like they matter that much. And, you know, understanding that prayer has an eternal impact and understanding that when you pray, knowing that God's word will not return to him void, but will accomplish what he desires and will succeed in the matter for which he sent it, that results in big time praying. It just does. You know, that's money right there. That's money. That's a good life in the most literal sense that I know of. Anybody listening ever heard of the author Susie Larson? She, she um, obviously, she's an author, so she writes books, like a lot of them, like 16 books or something. And that's a lot. If you've ever written a book, yeah, you know, that's a lot. Um, she has a daily radio show. She's a speaker at conferences and things like I'm just super blessed by her show, by her books, by her speaking appearances. And I've been part of some of her launch teams. She's really, she has encouraged me in so many ways because she rightly handles the word of God. She prays with a ferocity that is like, it's so kingdom minded. She's just not going to give the devil an inch with him bringing in his doubt. She's just, she just constantly believes God more and more. And, and she does this at times in the face of a whole lot of difficulty. Like she is, she lives life in the real world. She doesn't have like, it's not pie in the sky stuff. She prays boldly based on God's word. She believes the Lord continually and has dealt with some health issues that have been decades long. So that resonates with me, with my health issues. I just, it's like, she's so authentic and there's just not an ounce of uh, judgy, judgy pants in her. It's just like she is very much um, in, in the world of reality, understanding what life in this world can be like, what it's like to pray long, to pray long over something that's a real issue. Uh, even when you know what God's word says about healing and the kinds of healings that Jesus did to keep leaning in and praying. So she's really a great one to learn from as far as like growing in your faith in the real world, like in the whatever it is that the real world is at you. And she's done this too at times with the devil just throwing lies right up into her face. So there's this one thing that Susie Larson has said many times. It's just so true. And it's kind of like once I heard it, I couldn't unhear it. You know what I mean? So she says that the devil always overplays his hand. 
the devil always overplays his hand. It's like Satan, it's like he can't not overdo things. He's just, he's so full of pride and he loathes God so much. And he's such a liar. Like he can't not lie and he can't ever stop lying. He just overdoes things. So Susie, she kind of describes it like this. Now this isn't going to be like a perfect quote by any means, but she describes it as like, you know, you and I, we, um, we may be thinking that whatever's happening in our lives, whatever we're dealing with, it's just life in a fallen world. It's just life on this planet. And so we just endure it. We just keep putting one foot in front of the other and enduring it. We bear up under it. We keep on keeping on. We may pray about it a little bit, but, you know, we're not like dug in trench warfare kind of praying. We're just, we we pray about it, but not like uh, praying about it, right? We mostly just trudge along under the weight of it because we don't recognize it as an attack sent by the enemy. And then one day, all of a sudden, something just a wee bit more happens. Or maybe something big happens. It can be a little thing, the straw that breaks a camel's back. It can be a big thing, a whopper. The thing that happens that that thing that happens, big or little, it's kind of linked somehow to whatever it is you've already been dealing with. You know, it could be health issues. It could be finances. It could be something with your children. Like, it's just that one more thing. And then, boom, all of a sudden, you see clearly that this is the enemy, and it is for sure from Satan, and you know that God, he's not expecting you to just keep on taking it. You know, have you ever had a moment like that? When it's just like all of a sudden your eyes are open and they can't be closed again and you know, oh, yeah, this has all been the devil this whole time. And if it weren't for this last thing, I never would have seen it. I would have just kept putting up with it. Okay, so you get the picture I'm painting here, right? Like, I mean, in that moment you take pause and you realize this is just too much to just be part of living in a broken world. This is not just life. This is an attack from the enemy And you realize this isn't about growing the fruit of the spirit in your life. No, this is a satanic attack. There's a huge difference in how we respond to the the Lord growing us and maturing us and his satanic outright evil attack. There are two different ways to approach that. Jesus never hit satanic attacks with, yeah, I think we should just endure a little bit more and maybe this. No, 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 no. He would, he dealt with it soundly. He cast out demons. He rebuked the devil. He uh, said, it is written directly to Satan. He didn't play around with it and he didn't think, oh, I need this to develop something in me. And he never taught us that we have to develop things by means of putting up with what is an outright satanic attack. Okay, so don't embrace it when the devil is kicking you in the teeth. You can rebuke him. You can rebuke him and you should rebuke him because Jesus did. I'm talking about a realization that this is something that God wants you to be out from under. And I tell you what, once you realize that a thing is something God wants you to be out from under, you don't wonder whether or not, "Eh, I wonder how much more I should be learning from this. Maybe this would grow the fruit of the Spirit in me. Or the Holy Spirit is going to grow the fruit of the Spirit in you because it's His fruit and He is good. He is perfect at getting done what He wants done. He is God. You don't need to try and and play Holy Spirit Junior by figuring out how to manipulate a situation into growing the fruit of the Spirit. We don't need to run around tying rotten fruit to the outside of us to say, see, I've got the fruit. The Holy Spirit, who is God, will develop it in you. When there is an attack that God wants you out from under, 
don't stay under it under some guise of getting duped into thinking, oh, I have to have this to mature. Oh, God will mature you. But I don't see in the New Testament and the Gospels him saying, yeah, go ahead. And when you want to follow him, you want to serve him, you're given fully over to him saying, yeah, just stay stay under the devil's torment because that'll grow you up. He delivered people right and left, and that's his will for you. When you know that, when you know, like God wants you out from under this and you know that by prayer you'll be freed from this particular attack, that is the kind of realization I'm talking about here. That's when you know Satan has overplayed his hand. And now that he's overplayed it, it's all over but the crying. It's over, Rover. It's a done deal. Finito. Have you had moments like that? When you just knew, like in an instant, bam, based on that one thing, big or little, whatever that one thing was, that Satan was behind it all, and now you could see it so clearly. Whereas if he just kept quiet and left well enough alone, so to speak, you never would have known it was him, and you would have just kept enduring it. The devil always, always, always overplays his hand. Once you start recognizing this in your life, you'll be like, whoa, I see that all over. I, I see that all over. You will see it and see it and see it. And you're going to be thankful that you do because then you can deal with it per the word of God with faith and belief and prayer and just like shutting him down. You know, as Revelation says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So I'm telling you what, man, uh, when you see it, don't just go, oh, I wish I didn't know that. Be, be thankful and praise God that you do know it and then ask him to deal with it on your behalf. You know what I mean? And he will. So when you see it clearly and you seek God's help and then it will all turn around for you, it actually really will. It's happened so many times in my life and in my loved one's life. These verses from Isaiah, they are in direct contradiction to Satan overplaying his hand. They give us the keys to overcome him. Like, this is the solution right here. When we do that in prayer and often in fasting, along with our praying, these sometimes outright strongholds, fortifications Satan has built, sometimes in family lines over generation after generation, they can be broken down so quickly. It's amazing. It amazes me when I, when I can look back in my family line and see things that were just like, I'm talking about family member after family member after family member, generation after generation, and then got to me, God was so gracious, and for whatever reason, you know, showed it to me clearly, showed me how to pray from the Word of God, Holy Spirit-led kind of praying where you just pray God's Word and um, learn what it means to, to pray in the Spirit. Man, I'm telling you, I've seen stuff break off, and I think, wow, that's pretty incredible, like how many decades did you spend working on that Satan and God broke that off like it in a day? Amazing and true. I've seen it happen. You probably have too. Uh, so these verses in Isaiah, man, this is, this is the key that unlocks the door of what to do when you see Satan overplaying his hand. When it rains, when it snows, the earth is watered. That's, that's just the way it is. It's not possible for rain to not water. God sends the rain to water the earth, causing, you know, things to bear and, and to sprout and to grow, to provide seed for the sower and bread for the eater. This is a beautiful picture of how God sustains us. Jesus is the living water and all to come to him will never thirst again. He's the bread of life. You know, he said to the woman at the well that he was the living water and he is. He satisfies spiritually, which is far more important and vital than our physical bodies being like satisfied. 
God sends rain to make sure that things keep working according to his design, that we would have seed to sow, to keep on growing more and more, to keep on harvesting more and more, to keep on sowing more and more seed, and for bread to eat, which of course is a result of the harvest, which is a result of the sowing or the planting, which grows because of the rain that God sends for that express purpose. What God sends the rain to do, that is what gets done period. It does not get to talk back and tell God that it's not interested in doing what he created it to do. It just does as it was sent to do. The intention is fulfilled always. And guess what? That's how God wants us to see his word. It works in our lives. It does what he intends for it to do. It is life-giving and it is life-changing and it is life-sustaining and it never stops working. God set it up that way. And boy, oh boy, I sure do not want to be one who tries to undo God's order for things. I don't want to be a woman who pushes against the way that God set things up. I want to honor my Lord with my daily life, and I want to trust him so completely that I feel almost like weird not trusting him. You know, really, I mean, I want to, I'm going to say that again. I want to trust him so completely that I feel weird not trusting him. I want to believe his word so much that I feel out of whack if I don't believe. I hope you want that too. So we have this picture of how rain does what it's sent to do. How it waters the earth, how it provides seed for food. And then in verse 11, God says, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth. That gets me excited. Do you, do you know what this means? It means that what God has said is exactly what will take place Think about what changes in our praying, in our believing, in our thinking, in our influence on others. If we really, truly believe that God means exactly what he says, you can call it what you like. I'm going to call it how it be. The word of God, as we find it in our Bibles, that is how it is going to be. So we might as well get on board with that starting right now, today. This is the truth, like it or not, so might as well choose to like it. So will my word be, which goes out of my mouth. That is a promise for the ages. How could I ever pray a tiny, small, faithless, itty-bitty prayer when I could instead pray a big, bold, believing prayer that reminds all of hell Satan and his minions, that the word of my God always and in all ways accomplishes that for which he sends it. The only way I can pray itty bitty snack sass prayers is if I choose to. I choose not to pray teeny weeny prayers. Thank you very much. I want to see the will of my God happening all over this earth that he made, that he created. I mean it. I really do want to see that. And so I pray what his word says, and I believe that not one bit of it will return to him void. Because he says here in Isaiah 55 that it will not return to him void, useless or without result. When God says will not, isn't it pretty silly and ridiculous for us to say, well, maybe it will, but maybe it won't. Uh, Silly, that's a nice way of saying what really is probably bordering on sinful to doubt God so much to really wonder whether or not, yeah, maybe it will, maybe what he said will happen or won't happen. Uh, man, you're, you're bumping right up against sin right there. You better be careful. 
You know, James says, when you know the good you ought to do and you do not do it, that is sin. The good you ought to do, my friend, is to believe that God means what he says, to believe him, to take him at his word. If you play with fire, what's that saying again? Oh, you're going to get burned. That's the saying. Expect the word of God to do what God sends it forth to do. Expect nothing less. You know the one to whom you pray. This is the one to whom you've entrusted your eternity. This is the one who holds the keys of death and hell. He took those back from Satan. Do you think he cannot handle whatever it is that you're facing? You most likely aren't facing death, as in you're already dead, like Jesus was in the tomb for those three days. And you for sure are not standing in hell right now, which is a real place. The Bible has a lot to say about hell in the New Testament. And honestly, before your time here on this planet ends, you need to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see what Jesus said about heaven and hell. Everybody needs to read that. I mean it. Everybody needs to know what Jesus said about heaven and hell. What are you dealing with that might be too hard for the Lord? Ah, yeah, nothing. Nothing that I'm dealing with is too hard for the Lord. This is the one who defeated death and hell. Why would you be afraid to pray and ask him to deal with your hard places when he literally holds the keys of death and hell? Don't give in to that fearfulness and subsequently pray small, unbelieving prayers. Don't be afraid. Just believe. That's what Jesus said to the man whose little daughter had just died, Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I think that you can do that today. I'm asking you. I'm imploring you to do that today. His word will not return to him without accomplishing what he desires. Not what you and I desire, what God desires. But remember, when you trust in the Lord with all your heart, and you lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, he's going to make your paths straight. And, you know, on that straight path, you're not going to be wanting things that aren't what he wants. And Psalm 37 verse 4 tells us to take delight in the Lord, and he will do what? Give us our heart's desires. That is the word of God, my friend, and Isaiah 55 promises that it will not return to him void, but will accomplish what he desires. Isn't this great news? Like, isn't this great news? How can you not love this? Like, I mean, love it like crazy, love it. The last part of verse 11 says this, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. When God says something can't be done, that's a settled issue. Pay attention closely when you see God say clearly that something cannot be done. So what, what is it here that cannot be done? His word can't not succeed in the matter for which he sent it. It cannot return to him void, useless, without result. It can't not accomplish what God desires. Let's pray like we believe God on this, okay? Call me crazy if you want to. I seriously do not care. Uh, crazy enough to get everything that God has for me in answer to prayer based on his word? Fine. I guess maybe that may seem crazy to the world, but it certainly should not seem crazy to the church, to the very body of Christ. It should be the norm. We should be shocked more by unbelief than by bold belief. Let's pray big. Start today. Or, you know, start tomorrow morning during your quiet time. Before you go to sleep tonight, just start Pray big. Never cease in praying expectantly. I mean that. Never cease in praying 
expectantly. Pray with some expectancy, knowing that God intends for his word to fulfill what he has sent it for. All right, that is probably enough of my super impassioned excitement about an amazing verse, two verses from the Bible, Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I am grateful. I mean, I'm grateful for you listening. And I would love for you to share this episode if it blessed you, if it encouraged you, or even if it challenged you today. You know, maybe share it on your social media or mention it to a friend. Maybe mention it to your entire small group. You know, those are some pretty easy ways to share the Bert Not Ernie show podcast. And if one person, if one person is encouraged, wouldn't that be wonderful? Like the prayer that they pray after you encourage them by sharing this, it's not about sharing me, it's about sharing the word of God and reminding people to pray, believing God's word. They may as a result pray a prayer that could just be the one that breaks that family stronghold, that emboldens someone to do God's will in some certain part of their life. That They could pray the prayer that brings healing, emotional or physical or both. It might bring it into their own life or someone else's life. Think about that. The prayer someone prays may be the very prayer that God answers and by doing so totally turns your life around. You never know. So yes, yes, please, please share this episode. I don't usually feel an urge like this to ask you to share, but this episode, I can't not ask you to share because it's, like I said, it's not about what Jan says. Who cares? Who cares what Jan Burt says? It's what the word of God has to say. And somebody, as a result of a shared post, or you send it to them via text, or old school email, somebody is about to experience something with God that will bless them and encourage them and be just what they need at this point in their life. So thank you in advance for sharing the show. And I mean it when I say this, God bless you. I mean it. I'm praying for all my listeners, and um, you probably have a good idea by now that I am praying for you. And after listening today to today's episode, you have an idea of how I pray for you. I pray big. I pray big for you. I really do. I'm expecting God to answer those prayers that I pray for every single listener and to do mighty things in your life in answer to my requests that are totally in line with the word of God. All right. I'll see you next time when we are going to jump back to Psalm 27 and take a look at some of the promises that God has for us there. Alrighty, Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.